0: Welcome to the Fisher Poetry Podcast, a showcase of prose, poetry, and song written and performed by those in the commercial fishing community, mostly. I'm your host, Brad. Thanks for joining us today. Today's episode is from the 2023 Fisher Poetry Gathering in Astoria, Oregon. You'll be hearing from Fisher Poets Rob Seitz, Shannon Zellerhoff, and Kevin Scribner with introductions by MC Doug Rhodes. This set was recorded at the Liberty Theater on Saturday, February 25th, 2023. So, without further ado, here's the show.
1: Okay, if I could have everybody's attention, we're going to kind of get this show on the road. We don't want to rob anybody of any time. And uh, But before we get going there, I do want to, once again, thank all the volunteers that uh, have made Fisher Poets uh, work. And it's just so nice to be back together. Let's give all the people helping out a big round of applause. And again, there is this poetry contest. How many people have heard the rules on this contest? How many people have not heard the rules? OK, I guess I'll read the rules again. The rules are. Anybody can do this. It's got to be a maximum of 60 seconds long. Uh, Your poem has to include three colors, has to include three sounds, has to include three smells, has to include one voice. I I don't know what that's about. And it's got to be about fishing. So those are your rules, and uh, have at it after that. And we'll be doing that right after the nine o'clock set, so I guess at 10 o'clock that will all start right here. Okay, our first performer is uh, right out of Astoria, straight out of Astoria. He's a crabber. This is his own bio, I gotta tell you, He's a crabber, he's a shrimper, he's a dishwasher. (laughs) And he's working out of Astoria. Please welcome Rob Seitz. (laughs)
2: Thank you very much. Man, this Liberty is so nice, I feel like I should be reading Toby Sullivan's stuff. (laughs) Okay, I wasn't gonna do this one, but uh, a couple people that uh, weren't here last night showed up. So anyway, this is a poem about uh, washing dishes for my wife at her seafood restaurant. I call it Dish Dog. They say they come from far and wide to sample her culinary delights, prepared using local fishes. I say the reason they're lining up around the block is on account of my spotless clean wash dishes. (laughs) Wash, rinse, sanitize, repeat. Respected food critics, and Yelpers heap praise on all her menu selections. I say it's just those thousand candle power plates blinding them to any flaw or imperfections. Wash, rinse, sanitize, repeat. I don't care if it's local and sustainably caught, or if the server was extra flirty. You ain't gonna be able to charge a arm and a leg if it comes on a plate that's dirty. Wash, rinse, sanitize, repeat. Endless bus tubs, armpit deep in suds, pots and pans burnt in black. Kitchen just keeps sending them back. Wash, rinse, sanitize, repeat. Scraping plates with chewed up food, drip pans with substances resembling Alaskan crude, Servers getting emotional over forks and spoons, think I might lose my sanity soon. The only way I stand a chance, better prescribe myself a little disc dog medication, go into a semi-conscious like dishwashing trance. (laughs) Wash, rinse, sanitize, repeat. So considering that fine dining experience for all you foodies, don't forget about that poor soul in the back doing the down and dirty dish dog duty. Wash, rinse, sanitize, repeat. Thank you. Oh man, I. I set my timer on my phone to 15 minutes to make sure I would not go over or under, and I forgot to hit the button on it. <laughs> so anyway, it says 8.03, so I'm just gonna go until a quarter after. Okay, this one uh, paints cheap. So uh, there's, in fishing, there's a lot of things you can't control, like the weather and fish politics, all that stuff, and so. Uh, I tend to deal with all the stuff I can't control by working on the stuff I can control, so this is about that. I call it Paints Cheap. Paints Cheap, for $100 a can, you can turn the old new again. A two-part epoxy facelift, one pass with the roller, blemishes and imperfections disappear with the proper amount of prep work, dull and cracked will become smooth and shiny. Let the needle scaler chip away at the problem areas. When you're done painting, it's important to step back and admire your work. Take a minute to appreciate the freshly painted perfection of your net reel, say, because you know As soon as you use it, it will begin its slow path of degradation back to the state that caused you to paint it in the first place. But for that moment, let those things you can't control slip away because maybe you can't change the weather or fishery politics, and maybe your bouts with optimism are less frequent these days, but right now, Your net reel is flawless. Thank you. Okay, this one uh, a few years back, uh, you know, the Magnuson Stevens Act is the piece of legislation that uh, says how we're going to govern our fisheries and uh, or manage our fisheries, and you know, in it, there's protections for the fish, but there's also supposed to be protections for fishing communities. And so they were uh, trying to define what a fishing community is. And uh, so that's where I got the idea for this one. I call it My Fishing Community. If you make your busted knuckle living as a harvester of the sea, and a lifetime of staring at it through bloodshot eyes, hasn't dulled the ocean's mystery. If you fish so as to protect the resource for fishers yet to be, and your code is to overlook disagreements on land until those in trouble have reached safety, if your opinions of others are not based on gender or race, but rather heart, brains, and ability, and the interaction of boat, crew, gear, weather, ocean, and fish, is like a form of poetry. If you have long-term friendships with VHF voices whose face you've never seen, and you still get excited while untying the lines for next trip's possibility, if you believe each life you take is your responsibility and the wasting of fish is a sin is your philosophy, if you've worked your way up through the ranks with guys named Outback Jack and Hillbilly Steve, and you've acquired true stories that no one on land ever really believes. If you kiss your wife and kids goodbye for the last time each time you leave and you slide the boat out of the slip because there's a world you gotta feed. If you tell your crew the only kind of wine you want goes good with a bit of cheese, and a lifetime of financial ups and downs have taught you to think on your feet. If you rarely afford the luxuries of life, but always have the best food to eat, and even though it's a tough living to make, no other way can really compete, then you know there ain't a lot of rich folks living there, but it's a wealthy community. Thank you. That's the nice thing about poems, if you keep them short, you can get a lot of them in. <laughs> okay, this one, I got the idea when I was thinking about that, that thing uh, I've been hearing about, about working smarter rather than harder, you know? It's, it sounds like a good idea, but it's a lot harder than Because <laughs> you never know what's smart until you've found out that it wasn't that smart. <laughs> But you can always count on hard work, you know. So this one's called work ethic. When you find yourself in the middle of a bad luck streak and all the evidence suggests that you're about as charismatic as a fart in an elevator (laughs) and you're feeling that lost skin sting from a busted knuckle lack of finesse it's comforting to know you can always fall back on a good work ethic. Thank you. <laughs> OK, so uh, I like writing poems about fish sometimes. This one's uh, Petrolli Soul, and it's S-O-U-L. The exquisite Petrolli soul is like the yin yang sign of the sea. They have their dark mysterious side, the other white as purity. They remind me that death creates life, and ugliness defines beauty. But when you cook them in olive oil and garlic, both sides taste the same to me. Thank you. Okay, this one I wrote for a friend of mine. Went to high school and college together, fished together. We are best friends for a long time. <clears throat> he was kind of like a canary in the coal mine for that opioid epidemic. He was an early casualty back in the early 2000s. I call this one serenity at sea. Jason was one of those guys who was safer out at sea. As soon as the hull described that first roll, a weight was visibly lifted. It was as if a fine mesh net was stretched between the tips of the jetties through which his demons could not pass. So they'd wait there patiently for him to return. At sea, he worked hard, ate well, worked harder. Friendship came easy like it did when we were kids. Eventually though, the inevitable always happened. The bow would swing towards town. That look would come back to his eyes and his shoulder muscles would tighten as he prepared himself for battle. Thank you. (laughs) You know, that opioid epidemic has taken a lot from my fishing community, just like everyone else's community. Anyway, One of the things I like about commercial fishing is the uh, repetitious work because I've always been kind of a daydreamer. So the kinds of work where you don't really have to think about it are uh, ideal for daydreaming. And uh, sewing on nets, you know, it's the same motion, just a few simple rules. And once you know how to do it, you don't have to think much about it, but you'll spend hours doing it. I, I call this one uh, net menditation. <laughs> to mend a hole in a net, one must always begin and end on a three bar. The rest is just points and ciders. Pass the needle through the mesh, then around it to make the knot. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Once your hands know how to fix the holes, your mind is free to go elsewhere. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Without you guys, we'd just be a bunch of fishermen telling lies in a bar.
1: OK, that was some good stuff. Once again, let's give a big round of applause to Rob Sait. Good job, Rob. Okay, now if you're looking on your program and you see the name Sierra Golden in there, uh, well, Sierra Golden is not here, but in her place, we have Shannon Zellerhoff. And Shannon, there we go, Shannon is from Deming, Washington. She's been working, we got other people from Deming, how about that? She's been working on the water since she was 16. Now she's a licensed merchant mariner but Shannon cut her teeth in the Bering Sea, fish and crab, halibut, and cod. Let's give a big warm welcome to Shannon Zellerhoff.
3: Good evening. All right. So uh, these poems have been created over about a 30 year span and uh, Like a lot of gear, they go in the water, they soak a while, they come back out, you repair them, you make changes. As we grow, we get a lot of new perspective, and that has to go back into the work that was original. So uh, I'm going to read you a poem from the crab fishing era of my life, which was almost a 10-year span in the 90s out of Dutch Harbor. and the second poem will be more from the merchant mariner side of my life, which is the current side. And I'm very fortunate that I've been on the water for so many years that it talks to me when I'm out there and gives the feedback of the horrors, the hardships, the beauties, the characters, and just the passion for the industry. So this is called The Hunting Grounds. The rainfall reminds me of lean times wandering in wet cotton clothes, moving rudderless between the listing wooden crosses bearing Russian names given on a green Unangan hill. Or again, from the village, crossing the bridge to the other side, from rub rail to bait shed, I moved through a fog of mercurial island weather moods, circling, wheeling, like a glaucous gull with a broken wing. Behind my right shoulder, the harbor's icing edge cracked like glass, sea snakes lifted out of the fissures and went streaking across the surface like steam, escaping from a piping hot valve. Later, I spent the afternoon straying as far as I could from the cemetery. I went to look at the bishop's house and I leaned against the Russian church with all my might, waiting to hear something. Instead, I heard wheezing and buzzing, the Carl's grocery store and its pathetic waterlogged sign blinking announced liquor into a muddy puddle across the dirt road by the edge of the cruel but lovely sea. Somehow, I thought, The villagers managed to dry their clothes outside during the winter on a fine white line. Books made lumps in my bunk, anachronistic tomes about gaff-rigged schooners, Chappelle's history of the American fishing fleet, and Bishop Ivanoff's dry account of having lived nearly 200 years ago in the village of Unalashka, where the sea still breaks her back. Bowditch, too big for anything else then, eventually became my favorite pillow. In the village, there was a curious fox I called Sam, and a raven, Verla, named Ivan. There were a lot of swiggers and swaggers, their faces twisted unnaturally towards the sky, their arms stretching out to gesticulate a rant, and I wondered, were they begging for that sobering sun? The rain never seemed so wet and heavy as it did that Aleutian year. Fear was as important an element as hope. The former driving me on, the latter promising there will always be another boat. It was rumored by the locals that all of our misery was due to the shaman's revenge. Some boats sank by storm, others were lost. Some boats capsized, others just disappeared. You might wonder what the difference between all of that is. Alive on the beach, we crewmen tempered our industrial insanity with fevers of music and women and drink, but we never found reason to quit. Girlfriends never lasted, neither did boyfriends as I was to learn. Turns out nobody on the beach had any patience for our water-soaked sort. Our lives were dictated by numbers and dates, storm warnings, biomass counts. Pot limits, shipyard repairs, coast guard regulations. Our livelihood hung on the predictions of harvestable catches yet uncaught. Superstitions. slowly I began to notice that something important was slipping away from me something that had made my dreams become dead I became as irascible and remorseful as a priest who after falling in love with a beautiful woman he knows he cannot have realizes the reality of his choice this is the moment when you squarely face the fact that the very thing you swore you could give up forever is already gone. But oh, how life's exhilarating purpose would explode, booming in my ears like wedding trumpets whenever I was on the deck at sea. It was there, pounding in my chest, generating that extremely dangerous excitement that I had become addicted to from working side by side with death, dancing inside a reeling pool of sodium vapor lights, the waves merging sea and deck, deck and sea. And so the grueling job would win, demanding I return again and again to the hunting grounds. And though my heart was sore, it commanded, and my stubborn boots, nailed to the deck, obeyed. Thank you. It's always very hard to read the poems about crab fishing because as those of you who've been out there know it's a lifestyle it's it's a something that gets into your blood and your bones and your psyche the merchant marines is a little um, easier (laughs) so this one's going to be lighter it's called 12 bells The bosun sits on a milk crate. He shanghaied from the steward's galley, works congealed paint off an overaged roller he should have thrown away. If I'm happy, everybody's happy, he says. The first assistant engineer is as short as he is round, wears his overalls like a giant denim drape. In the myriad pockets and pouches sewn into his bib, he has stowed more tools than the average homeowner has stuffed into a kitchen drawer. The second mate is a Haas Piper from Pascagoula. We share the 12 to 4 watch. I've grown to appreciate his flawless affinity for keeping time. Every morning, At 11.57 sharp, he will be setting his watch to match the ship's GPS to the second. He will look at me, grinning as if we were about to run a race, he knows I will never win. Ready? I am standing halfway across the bridge from him beside the ship's horn. This is my 12 o'clock station all I have to do is look at him and nod. My watch is not as concise as his. It is covered in paint, its computer chip traumatized by the daily violence of busting rust. So he counts down from five, four, three, two... At one, there goes up in unison a flat honk moan from the horn me, and the shrill ring from the general alarm, the mate. This pleases him. It sets the mood for an agreeable watch, even in uncomfortable weather. On New Year's Eve, we put into Piraeus, Greece. 3,529 units, which is to say Japanese imports, cars, are waiting patiently inside our ship to be offloaded on New Year's Day. I go down to the gangway to relieve the 8 to 12 a little bit early. For 29 minutes, the harbor was still. I remember seeing dozens of coastal freighters, a few inter-island ferries, and one massive container ship whose hull bore the name of her line. CMA, CGM. Without warning, every single ship sounded her whistle and horn. It was more of a call and response than our practice 12 bells, but the effect was thrilling. Before the last blast completed its echo off the city's walls, the sky began to explode, dazzling absurdities of pyrotechnical fire raining down across the harbor in colors across the rainbow extinguishing themselves one by one in their own reflective pools. I would be lying to you if I did not disclose the truth. My watch read 2359. I'm going to need a new watch now that I'm licensed. (laughs) All right, so this last one is um, we were in the Antarctic on a research vessel, an ice-breaking research vessel. And once we left the station for the science, we were heading up to Valparaiso, Chile. So this one is aptly named Steaming to Valparaiso. 053 degrees. 49 minutes, 128 seconds south. 066 degrees, 13 minutes, 973 seconds west. Speed over ground, 12.7 knots. Time, 0647 local. I can smell the land. It smells like straw and beach grass. I can smell the waves of the dunes and faintly soil. As I walk my laps around the ship at the stern mooring station, I am startled by a lost bird. I think it was a shag. I bent over to grab it, to toss him back into the sea, but in doing so, he bit me. I moved my hand involuntarily, as you do when you're bit. My fingers wound around its neck and I flung it into the prop wash. I never saw it surface. I trust it would have though. In fact, I convinced myself it surely did. Later on, somewhere, it would thank me. For overtime, I carried two enormous trash bags up to the incinerator. The salt spray cloaks my bare arms like a hoary rind. We are just south and east of Cape Horn, steaming in the dark of dawn up the coast for Valparaiso. Thank you very much.
1: Okay, uh, that was Shannon Zellerhoff, and this is her first time at Fisher Poet. Let's give her a big round of applause. That was awesome stuff. Okay, our next performer to close out this set is Kevin Scribner. Kevin began salmon fishing as a skiff man on a saner based in Bellingham, and then after a couple of turns trolling and trawling, he ended up with gill nets and set nets in Bristol Bay. This guy's been doing it all, which transformed into a lifelong love affair with Bristol Bay. Kevin's Forever Wild Seafood Company develops value added salmon products, including developing a Bristol Bay sockeye salmon jerky product in partnership with Eva's Wild. So please join me in welcoming Kevin Scribner.
4: Well, just like Rob said, I'm not used to being in uh, um, such a formal place, so I'll try to rise to the occasion. But first, um, I think we just look to each other and just, there's there's some sources of joy. Um, We're here together, not remote. We're here together, so be joyous, folks. Be joyous. Yeah. So as I was saying to Rob, the last time he and I were on a stage together was 2019 in Portland, on the other side of the, of the COVID. So, in addition to my love affair with Bristol Bay, it's a love affair with salmon. Um, and, you know, there's that adage is, uh, you are what you eat. Um, well, if that's true, I've become salmon many times over. Um, and what I like to do when I, when I um, cook salmon and wild, it's wild salmon, always, for friends who have not had salmon before, wild salmon before, is I say, you may be subject to fits of uncontrollable optimism <laughs> and also do something wild because you are what you eat. So the optimism side of it is that Just think about salmon. When they come back as adults, after making the swimming rounds of of out there in the ocean, and they come back and nose up to that river, and the big river, Nichiwana, the Columbia, a wall of water, they're going to their home. It could be 300 miles, it could be 50 miles, it could be 900 miles. They're going their way home on following the scent of their home. They stop eating when they hit the fresh water. So it's like they're swimming marathon after marathon after marathon without eating. Um, If we were presented with that, you know, we would probably say, oh, my God, what am I going to do? You know, you know, am I going to make it? They don't even question it. So it's like they have optimism and hope in their DNA. So tomorrow, Go over to Rob and Tiffany's shop, South Bay Wild. Go over there and have wild salmon. You better start making your reservations now because there's a lot of you. But yeah, and enjoy salmon. It's a wonderful gift. So um, I'm going to read a couple pieces that come from my time in Bristol Bay, which started in 1980. And uh, it, was, it was a revelation to me after a couple um, uh, fishing uh, adventures in uh, Puget Sound and off the coast because it was a, an experience of just utter abundance. And two more bits of good news is the Biden administration has invoked the Clean Water Act to kill the pebble mine. So those of you, so that's, that's joyous, that is joyous. So as I've seen uh, last night though, I I gotta write this into my uh, next poem for next year is that, is that what we need to do though is we need to get permanent protection. And so that's the next effort. Um, And it's like, it calls to mind uh, one of Hercules' labors. So Hercules had 12 labors and one of them was to vanquish the hydra. And so the hydras, it was a difficult labor because every time Hercules cut one of the heads, six would appear and that's like the capital behind mining. You stop one, you know, other, other will appear. So what, how Hercules figured it out is he got a buddy to come over there with a torch, and every time Hercules cut the head off, he put the torch on and cauterized the head to cut it. So we need to have permanent protection. So we'll, we're working on that. The other great news is Bristol Bay last summer had an all-time record run of fish. Seventy-seven million fish came back to Bristol Bay, so let's give a hand out to Bristol Bay. So this, this um, poem is called A Sea of Love on Alaska Airways, and this is, goes back to the early 80s when there were, as, as the poem will, say, poem will say, there were, there were no cell phones, etc and the local radio station played a really critical role in being able to keep people in connection. So a sea of love on Alaska Airways. The Bristol Bay Messenger Service, FM public radio, where teenage interns read streams of love letters out into an Alaska bush, bereft of phones, satellite dishes, even timely mail, to pillow sweet intimacy deep into privacy. I love and miss you, nothing to hide when we're in love, my dear. Alchemy of affection arcs into these words made public, radio wide, anti-raising the simple I love and miss you into a hum now among a fleet full of ears over airwaves. Hungry hearts nodding their own sighs from tossed sheet reveries of satin silk memories, saddled now in bunks throughout the bay. For millennia, did markets bundle, no, did mariners bundle love in pouches tucked tenderly in hidden reaches beneath bunks? Or in necklaced amulets always swung heart close? Some say being a skipper saves marriages and makes families, with housebound pressures whistled away, gone with the outgoing tide, refreshed joy and foreplay in the return, with a child or three conceived in time, with the moon-driven comings and goings. God damn, I love and miss you, shouted around the bay and back. Again, I love and miss you, A summer season valentine as public as any crooner plucking heart strings, start strings back in a city bar. Brassy bold, this burst of unabashed affection. But what can ever embarrass a fisherman in love? I love and miss you. Shared out loud, heart proud, with 10,000 shipmates, souls my witness. I love and miss you. So now I encourage you to turn to your seatmate and if it's appropriate, say, I love you. It's the Valentine month. So have at it. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we are. Right. There we go. Okay. Here's, here's another one from, uh, the Bristol Bay. So in the early eighties, uh, starting in 1980, they opened up a, uh, herring fishing to go alongside the, uh, Um, the salmon fishing up in uh, in Bristol Bay and it was in one of the river systems called Togiak and so when you go out there you're you're starting to get away from everything and it's it's really beautiful but you're away from everything. So this one is called Big Rank Frank. Do we humans school up wishing fishing company by nature? Big Frank coffee cup skipper with rolls of blubber coddling a ginormous, generous heart. Much too big of a man on a wee bow picker boat made for day-long near-shore dances on the foredeck. A too-tiny cabin best made for tying up near town. Hey, the guys are going. Got to go now. Got to go right now. The tide's running out. Scurry dashing off in a hurry, all together, most of us first timing to chase herring in a strange, beyond-the-point waters. Gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta go now. We gotta stay together. Then there. Wait. Wait. Wait for a long month with few days of fishing. Made oh so much longer by that one just set of clothes and no boat showers in sight, Big Frank's duffel of clothes left dock behind when we dashed. When we gotta go, gotta go right now, gotta go together. We chased Herring around more clicks and points along the west edge of Togiak Bay, and even further to Good News Bay, with the bad news of no more showers on tender boats. Big Rank Frank. Then those midnight anchor drills, among a raft of boats hunkered behind bluffs, trying to hide from wind pushing 90 knots. Big Frank's bow picker peels off into a starboard darkness. Big man scurrying among gusts, and a dance for life on a wee deck. A walrus and long johns, perioding in too, too much wind. Hurry, scurry, now gotta go. Go now. Gone. A bow cleaves back into the safe circle of boat light. Steady, slowly, splitting the wind. Reset anchor, raft up again alongside companions, where being safe is a bit more than just seeming so. Ah, so no hurry now. Damage? Just another rip and tear in his car hearts, Wearing thin, big rank Franks, big rank Franks showing his growing splendor, a bare blubbery skin. He once marbled, did Big Frank, with a chuckle and occasional spit of chew-juice. One year, these stubby, blunt, grease-nailed fingers made as much money as the varnished hands of a surgeon. Rest in peace, Big Frank. No study of omega 3s or sneaking kale in for de- tobacco could overcome your big body's daily drag on a heart born for a much smaller body. Hurry, scurry, gotta go. Such a good man gone now. Thank you. Ooh. So here's another um, um, story from coming back from the Togiak herring fishing grounds at night. It's called Will the Bottom Drop Out? Three decades before Siri, we wondered if fathometers would ever speak. With a siren's voice? No, not those honey voices who lured Greek sailors into shipwrecking rocks. No, no, she'd speak gently of avoidance. Please, gentlemen, take note. It's getting shallow. Consider another way. Oh my, the water's bottom is getting closer. Now, gents, gents, please take care. You're getting much, much too close. All's business when waves become trampolines. Keep the bows straight into water swelling before you. Move forward always for steerage, but don't rush into a bar where the water's dropped out. Just enough juiced to not slip to the broadside, a wash in the trough. Then be sure to give a nanosecond of breath to the danger at your side, bowing low in honor of the millennia of fishermen lost, long lost before you. The four-deck steering station's bare, just the wheel and me, out there where there's no hearing the aft cabin captain, radio connected to the brother's boat leading the way. Me, at the wheel in rain gear with survival suit stowed, oh, how bloody frickin' convenient, back there beneath the bunks. Is this some sort of silly joke? A night drama of storm swells, swelling higher, then bumped even higher by everywhere shallows. Navigation instruments useless. Sirens, are you there? Among the rocks. Siri, Siri, which way do we frickin' go now? Sandbars everywhere. The photometer useless. The bottom is all about. We rely upon the loran in our buddy's boat. Charts in our minds screaming, scheming away ahead. Keep bow into waves. Bow low to those who've come before you. Don't plow into a bow with a bar with no water. Into sand too shiftless to claim a name on a chart. Remember always, take a bath, breath, bow low to danger. We made it, check. Seems another one of our nine lives used, gone. We'll laugh when tied up tonight, and then when back home, we'll reset the tally on just how many more lives we each have left to lose. Thank you. So, this is shifting back down to uh, um, to the pacific Northwest and uh, it 's a really poignant uh, story about uh, Skipper Gary, uh, who I did a trolling uh, hook and line stint off the coast of uh, Washington in seventy seven and um, in it we 'll talk about navigation tools and uh, for those of you who who fish, you know we get to we i think Rob, we're having, you got a Loran C, right? You're working a Loran C? GPS now. now GPS, okay, even better, better navigation, you know? So uh, Gary's boat had a Loran A, which was a World War II thing, where it was like an oscilloscope. So you were down there, you got a radio signal and you, you captured the radio signal and you got a wave and so you had to match it with your wave and then you got a coordinate. So you got one coordinate and you had to do that for the other coordinate. These days it's just boom, 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 automatic. So navigating in the key of C. Is it a busted trip when empty holded? You just bring your crew back alive. Barometer sinking, seas rising. Write it out or headbang it back to home harbor. Have you boat enough to endure time, distant swells? Gale force winds. Know your boat, know yourselves, know the seas. Be aware and beware the weather and keep, keep, keep the hatch covers tied down. Believe as we did with every trip in the wave plowing wooden double ender made 60 years ago. Know where you are when the sea looks all the same. Compass, Astrolab, read the swells like Solomon Islanders. Loran A, electronic neon waves, dialing knobs to make a match in the bump grind pitch in an ocean that's forgotten your name, could care less for your loved ones. There, got one, coordinate, yes. Twos for true true triangulation and a mark on the chart. Catching radio waves that never rest, beacons for finding one's wave, if not one's self. That season, did you compose your death song before turning down salmon uh, and going farther from shore for Albacore? Why, why was your beautiful boat named Antigone, the title of a Greek tragedy? Whatever did happen, you sang out one Mayday with a batch of coordinates able to match the Loran-A waves before the silence of wave and water. The nearest boat cruised over, seeing nothing. Did you, in a nod to a local tribe's phrase for infinity, become a seabird and then fly into a bank of fog? Know the seas, know your boat, know yourselves, thank you. Just one more. If if we got to stop, it'll it'll go quick. Okay. This one's called, because it's it's a similar theme. So it's crossing the bar in gravy boats. So if you know what the phrase cross the bar means, it's it's, uh, the death song. So what does everyday chance of dying say about your way of living? Cross the bar. The dying phrase that flushes souls of mariners out of the watery world. Three scant words, the shortest of poems, the longest journey, cross the bar. And please save some last snippets of words for the obit. Bought the farm for those on shore. Each fishing trip shuffles its own tarot deck. Fortunes told, sold, some gone cold. But there's one sea-chilling card foretelling what few wish to hear. Cross the bar. And save the last bit for the obit. My first ocean run was trawling for cod ends, overf- over- overfilling and flowing with discards. The fish that fetch too little price for a place on the hold on ice? Don't waste space on the worthless, the adage back then. These fish, so many fish, dying for nothing crossed the bar. Back then, bycatch was not even in the logbook. Aboard the Hercules, that was the boat I was on, running seaward from Bellingham, outside on the half-step, where one nighttime gunnel slip would have me crying goodbye to all hands and holds. Fly unzipped, piss interruptus, rest of the crew on the other side of engine noise, blinded in an envelope of galley light, me out in the dark, peeing in that upright, relaxed pose of men, steady as she flows, with one hand loosely taking care of business, the other hanging tight onto a halyard. One year I once read, near half overboard drowning seemed to come while peeing, bodies found with open flies. <laughs> Relax, exhale, shake, and then shook overboard. Crossed the bar. Save one last spit for the obit. These past years, I've sobbed, I have sobbed sayonara too many times to those crossing the bar into deeper water, each leaving me with a stretch of maydays. And here I am living on, feeling my main meal's already been had, leaving me with a life that's all gravy. Nearing my time for life and choices, I choose a menu of calculated risks sailing with a steady helm into new waters, strong of heart on my gravy boat, doing my best to make the world better. Grief has tidal waves and breaches and those levees that keep us bound or stuck on the straight and narrow. But Lordy, when love shows the way around the breakwater and open seas, drawing us close to but not yet crossing the bar, to see in the vastness of love that truly makes our lives. Then, a quick turn starboard toward the stars before backing around, full tanked with love that's so light we prance on water. Run with sails billowing life on the gravy boat when all, yes all, is grace. All is gift, all is grace notes in waves of gravy. Coraggio courage may we all be blessed with the courage to feel deeply to di- to dine and wine again with our loved ones before we die once done we'll then sail forth in our gravy boat when all is grace all is gift all a bonus courage coraggio. thank you
1: Okay, we're gonna we're not gonna get much of a break here. We got about an eight-minute break until our next set. We got a full next set. But once again, let's thank Rob, Shannon, and Kevin for that nice set. Thank you guys.
0: That was Fisher Poets Rob Seitz, Shannon Zellerhoff, and Kevin Scribner. Recorded at the Liberty Theater in Astoria, Oregon on Saturday, February 25th, 2023. Well, that's it. This one's in the tote. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is written and produced by Brad Wartman. The theme music for this episode is courtesy of Mark Allen Lovewell and Molly Canole. If you'd like to appear on or have comments about the show, please send an email to the Fisher Poetry Archive at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to haul the latest episodes into your net. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is available via our podcast host, Spotify, as well as Apple, Google, and Amazon. You can listen to our other podcast episodes, watch our YouTube videos, and join our community by going to thefisherpoetryarchive.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next one come all young sailormen listen to me i'll sing you a song of the fish in the sea blow ye winds westerly westerly blow we're bound to
3: the south'ard so steady she goes